Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Praise the Lord. We are so excited to be continuing our If Plus Then series. If you're a visitor here, If Plus Then comes right out of the book of Proverbs. There are different types of Proverbs, and one type of Proverb is the completive. Everyone say completive. The completive proverb is where we get the equation of blessing from. And in fact, in Proverbs chapter 3, there are about six or seven in a row completive proverbs. And here's the gist of of, uh, what this whole series is about. And the way it goes is this. If we put our faith in God's advice, how many know the word of God is like advice to us? God doesn't force you to obey his word. He doesn't doesn't twist your arm. I mean, sometimes he boxes you in a little bit. But we have to choose to do what pleases God. Amen? And the word of God, this is a new way of looking. Every time you open the Bible, and you should open it, uh, when? Every day. Everyone say, every day. We should read the Bible every day. Every time you open the Word of God, it's important to recognize that the Lord is speaking to you, and the Lord is counseling you, and the Lord wants to guide you, but we have to take His advice. And the completed proverb says this, if we put our faith in God's advice, then God will channel His power to bring about our blessings. In other words, when we do it God's way, the blessings of heaven, they open up and they pour down on the Lord's people. Now today's message, the title of today's message, I want to get right into this so that we have time to really pray at the end. The title of today's message is, If Plus Then Equals Direction. Everyone say direction. Now, before I read the text today, something happened to me recently, and uh, um, I was really kind of stressed out. Directions can stress me out. How many people get stressed out by directions? So here's what happened. I was invited to a meeting of of leaders in the city, and it turns out that there was going to be a delegation from the White House there. And... um, and I'm like, Lord, what am I doing there? What am I, you know, I'm, I ain't saying nothing. It was kind of that thing for me. Anyways, so, um, so I, you know, I get to places early and I was meeting here and I had the directions and I was, I had the directions. I left on time and I go where I'm supposed to go. And at a certain point, the GPS tells me to turn left. My gut said, turn right. But GPS said, turn left, and so follow directions. So I turned left, and I went and went, and then all of a sudden, I'm like seven minutes early, ready, on time. When I pull up, it's the wrong place. I had the right address. I plugged in the right address. I called the office, double-checked, plugged it in again, hit it, wrong place. How far are you? You're 15 minutes away. So I was completely stressed out. I was driving and like, Lord, I'm so embarrassed. You ever have those? You know, some people, lateness is like, uh, it's like they think it's style to be late. I'm not one of those people, (laughs) you know? 
And so, so I was so stressed out because I put my trust in the GPS. And um, uh, so I called Pastor Matt. He said, "Did you tr- was that the Apple one or the other one? I was like, I don't know which one. <laughs> and um, so it just kind of wrecked me. And I walked in and, and, uh, and somebody walked in later than me. So I was like, you know, so I messed up. Messed up, right? Um, but the point is, is directions are really important in life. And um, um, very important in life. And we have to pay attention to who's giving us directions. And this message today is about taking God's advice so that we can get his directions. This proverb is really, really powerful because it's talking about his directions. I want to give you one other example to really bring this home. So I was sitting in the back there. We sit in the front, in the front row first um, and third services. Very often the service is so filled we want to, we give up all of the seats. And so I was sitting in the back and when I just got in, I was talking to Tommy. And Tommy, uh, you guys were just walking in and one, Tommy says, you see that guy right there, Tom? Dad, he said, you see that guy right there? I said, yeah. He said, Dad, he's special. He's special. And um, I said, do you know him very well? He says, I don't really know him well, but that guy's special. God's hand is on him. And, um, you know, we need to encourage him or whatever. Um, Now, you guys don't know who that is. It could be you. (laughs) And um, and you know what? It is you. It is. It is. But in the context of what we want to talk about today, right, God picks this sister right here, this sister, this brother. He chooses us. He saves us. He purchases us. Purchase. How valuable are you to God? He paid the price of his son's life for you. Does it get any higher than that? Does it get any costlier than that? But see, God loves us and he he wants us to be blessed. He, He has our best interest. But the only way that life turns out the way it ought to turn out is if we follow his directions. We gotta follow God's directions. His plans are better than our plans. His thoughts are better than our thoughts. His ways are better, and that's why we have to take God's advice. How many want to take God's advice today? Amen. Every man, every woman, I'm telling you right now, you need to take God's advice. And so there's a way to take God's advice, and here's what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And let's read this together. And he will show you which path to take. The path that we take is vitally, vitally important. 
We need to be thinking about taking the Lord's path, about going God's way. Here's the gist of the equation for today, and then I want to pray. If we trust God above ourselves, okay, if we trust God above ourselves, then God channels his power to guide us and direct us into his perfect will. In his perfect will, we've covered so far satisfaction. We've covered the favor of God. We've covered the blessing of God. All of those things unfold and they fall literally from the hands of God and from the heart of God. But we have to be led by God. It's part of the, the being a New Testament believer is that the Spirit of God comes inside of you. When you're born again, it's Christ in you. And that Spirit can lead and guide you. But you need to trust him and so here's the last thing I'll say and then I want to pray today's message this is this is not like a preaching this is a talk in a way because um, because this word today is a is the most intimate of the of the promises of God in Proverbs uh, chapter 3. This word is about the Lord saying, give me your hand and walk with me and I'm going to take you where you need to go. I picked up my grandson from school and he's like this big. So, and we, we went someplace in a parking lot and when we got out of the car, I said, give me your hand. And I was walking with him and letting him know, I got you, and it's all good. You know, little kids, the Bible says that we need to be like children. Little kids can relax when mom and dad are there. You know, they, they take mom and dad, it's all good, you see? But how many know that doesn't change just because we're 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 80 or 90 or 100? How many know we can always take the Lord's hand? How many want to take the Lord's hand today? Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So come on, put your hand on your heart as we pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to take your hand and to go your way. Lord, teach us to trust you. Show us what it means to trust you. And give us the grace, Lord God, to follow you. Bless this word. Bless every family, bless every home, bless every marriage, every single person. Bless every teenager, Lord God. As we put our trust in you, we ask that you would direct our path. So we love you and we thank you for this. In the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said, Amen, amen and Amen. Praise the Lord. So as I, as I mentioned, there's something very intimate and very kind of like private and personal about trusting someone. You know, this is way more than trusting a GPS. Um, this is trusting God. And very often in the Bible, trust is even encouraged in the context of worry and fear. For example, Psalm 37 begins with, don't fret and don't worry about what wicked people are doing. Don't worry that it seems like they're getting ahead because they're not really getting ahead. Okay, they may look like they're getting ahead, but they're not really getting ahead. 
In the end, it's gonna, it's gonna all fall apart. On the contrary, but here's, here's what God says to us, Psalm 37, and, uh, starting with verse three says, trust in the Lord and do good. Let them do bad, you do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. You don't have to cheat. You don't have to do it their way to get ahead. Their way is a shortcut that ends up empty and, and shipwrecked and jacked up. Just do it my way. And you'll, you'll live safely in the land and prosper. Look, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. If you're happy in me, your heart will be full of joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Look, commit everything that you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will, everyone, two words, help you. How many want the help of God in your life? Amen. When you want the Lord's help, you have to trust me. He says, stop worrying. Just trust me. And look at this. It says, he will make your innocence radiate like the dawn and, your, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. If you need a protector, there's no better protector than God. He'll be our defender when we trust him. So what does, how do we define trust? Trust is a hopeful, peaceful surrender and reliance upon God. It's a hopeful, peaceful, could you guys put up the next slide? It's a hopeful, uh, peaceful surrender and reliance upon God. Okay, when you trust God, you remain hopeful and peaceful, and you're just relaxed. You surrender into his hands. Now, this is very important to understanding trust before we really unpack it from the text today. Trust is the disposition of faith that takes place between God's promise and fulfillment. So here's what this means. How many love when you get a real promise from God, like the word of the Lord comes into your life. How many love those moments where God speaks? Amen. I just love to hear from God. So there are moments when God gives you a promise and you get that promise and it boosts you up and you're right here. So we love to get the promise. Then we also love over here when we get the fulfillment. We love when God comes through. We, we love when God solves it. We love when the breakthrough comes and the answer comes and we look back and we say, wow, God promised this and God did it. He delivered us. We're in the promised land. He knocked the walls down. He brought the giant down. We, he, you know, we're blessed. There's something awesome about the promise and the fulfillment. Amen? Here's the challenge. The challenge is right up in here between the promise and the fulfillment, many times God grows silent. And the reason that God grows silent is because what's most important to God about your life here on the earth is that you would live by faith. That's what's most important to God. Faith is what pleases God. And so what he does is he promises you something and then he wants to know if you're going to cling to his word because if he said it, how many know that should settle it? And so he wants to see if you'll cling to his word and say, Lord, you've gotten quiet. <laughs> 
gotten a little quiet, Lord, but that's okay. Because my hope is in you, my trust is in you. My soul is at rest, because if you said it, I know that fulfillment is coming. And so I'm going to trust you. Until you come through, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rely upon you. And so trust is a real challenging thing because it really meets us where we live. It doesn't mean that God doesn't speak, but God doesn't speak all the time. God doesn't speak every day. God speaks in his own way on his own terms. And then he wants to see if we'll follow him and, and if we'll trust him and believe in him. And he is saying, and this is the word of the Lord to someone, he's saying, just surrender to me even though I've gotten quiet. You see? And by the way, this is why promises from God are so important. If you, don't, if you don't get the promise, you don't have anything to hold on to when you're in the middle. So you've got to get the promise from God. And this is why we need to read our Bible every day. And every day we should what? Read our Bible. Okay? And so because when you read the Bible, God is giving you truth to cling to so that you could trust him and follow him. So let's, let's kind of unpack this very quickly here. God counsels us to trust him in three different ways from just one verse. And I want to walk through this quickly. First of all, God counsels us to trust him wholly. Okay, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Holy is not H-O-L-Y, which speaks to the character of God. This is means, holy means holy with all your heart. Trust in the Lord, not with half of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And it's important for us to realize that all your heart is important to God. In fact, when you read the book of Proverbs, I want to encourage you to read in James also. Sometimes this is a good study because the book of James is the New Testament book of Proverbs. And the book of James actually talks about this. Look, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, if you lack counsel, if you lack the advice of God, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Some people are like this all the time in their walk with God. God says this. Well, did he really say that? Did he really mean that? that? No, no, no. God said this. No, did he really say that? Did he? And some people go back and forth and back and forth. And it's saying, look, that's not, that's not trusting God. Look, it says that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord because such a person is double minded and unstable in all they do. Now here's what this is. That word double minded means to be two hearted. Okay. Some people have a heart for God in a moment and then they, then they don't have a heart for God in another moment. And when the Bible says trust in the Lord with all your heart, it means that when you leave, that you worship him out there the way you worship him in here. How many would say Amen. It means that there's really no difference. See? Like, like, could you imagine if I was up here putting on an act? You know? 
Instead of, instead of being the same in the office and the same here and the same wherever I go, I could be an actor, you know? But God says, I'm not into actors. Just, just let your whole heart belong to me all the time. And here's how it fleshes out. A.W. Tozer, A.W. Tozer put it this way. Pseudo-faith always arranges a way out to serve in case God fails it. Real faith knows only one way and gladly allows itself to be stripped of any second way or makeshift substitutes. True faith, uh, uh, for true faith, it is either God or total collapse. And since Adam stood up on the whole earth, God, uh, has God failed a single man or woman who trusted him? How many know no one who looks to him will ever be put to shame? How many would declare that God is faithful, 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 faithful? And so when the Bible says, trust the Lord with all your heart, it means, would you please get rid of the back door? Because a lot of people, they have a back door. They always have a, an escape plan. I'm going to trust you up until this point, And then if you don't do what I think you should do, then I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to exit stage right. There's a back door. With God, there's no back doors. With God, you say, I'd rather fail in God than succeed without God. How many would say amen? With God, I'd rather stay back with God than move forward without God. Trust says, I want you and you only, no other option. And I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you, this is the word of the Lord to someone. Get rid of the second option. Just put it aside and say, Lord, I'm going to do this your way. You know, there's a story of Alexander the Great. This is kind of an example because when you serve God, things get kind of, it's aggressive. When you start trying to trust God and serve God, the devil's going to come at you like crazy. How many have found out that soon, the moment you get serious about God, then Satan shows up? You know what I'm saying? You start getting serious. You know, you live worldly or whatever. He doesn't mess with you. You start getting godly all of a sudden. Everything is going nuts. You know? But that's when you got to know, hey, I'm going to fight. I'm going to be strong in the Lord. I'm going to fight the good fight. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, here's, here's a, a, a secular example, but, but very true. So Alexander the Great, one of the great uh, military commanders in all of history, he led the, the Macedonian Empire into Persia, who owned the largest military force in the world at that time. Persia's army was massive. It says, upon landing on their shore, Alexander quickly saw the Persians out numbered both their army and navy. Listen to what Alexander did. He gave the order to burn the ships, their only means of retreat, burn all of the ships. And then he said, and while the ships burned in the harbor, Alexander turned to his generals and said, look, we leave in the Persian ships or none at all. We're either going to take them, we're either going to take their stuff, or guess what? We're not going home. There is no other option. And what God is saying is, he, he wants to see people say, Lord, I'm doing it your way. I'm not going to be double-minded or double-hearted. I'm ready. Look, when you serve God, here's a couple of things. You got to be ready to look like a fool. You got to be ready to say, look, I don't care if I get embarrassed. I want to please God. Yeah. 
I don't care what the record on the earth is. What matters is the record in heaven. And I want the record in heaven to record that I was faithful to my Jesus because my Jesus is faithful to me. Hallelujah. We got to get rid. We got to get rid of the, the back door and the, uh, the, the escape route. There's no escape route. It's God's way is the best way and the only way. Amen? So, so first of all, it says we have to trust him wholly. Now, secondly, this one passage counsels us to trust God solely. It means only him. Look at what it says. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Do not depend on your own understanding. One translation says, lean not on your own understanding. And I have a, a quick example for you. Okay, lean could mean a couple of things. So for example, this could mean lean. Okay, he's not talking about that. He's talking about more when someone has to use a cane. And they have to use a cane because they're not strong enough to hold themselves up. You know, my parents were just here and they're so elderly. And my dad has to use a cane. Actually, both of them have to use canes. Um, but especially my dad. And um, uh, it's not an option. It's like he has to use the cane. And God is saying, look, when you use a cane, in this sense, you're leaning on the cane because without the cane, you're going to fall. So what you're doing is you're leaning the weight of your body on the cane so that you won't fall. And what God is saying this, stop leaning the weight of your life on what you think you know. Because if you lean the weight of your life on what you think you know, you're going to fall. To trust God means that you set aside what you think you know when it is in contradiction to what God says about something. God's way is the best way, and it doesn't matter what we feel or what we think. We might feel a certain way, but I'm telling you right now, don't try to be smarter than God. Okay, don't think that, that, you know, people start getting all of these excuses. You know, that book is 2,000 years old or that book is 3,000 years old. It doesn't matter how old it is. It is the inspired word of God. It is living and active. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God still speaks to his people through his words. So God gives us advice and he's saying, do it my way. Lean not on your own understanding. Here's a classic example. So the Bible says that we shouldn't be unequally yoked. What that means is, is don't even date. Everybody say, don't even, like with an attitude. Okay? It's saying, don't even date an unbeliever. Doesn't matter how close. So some people will say, but Lord. Right? <laughs> He's so close to the kingdom. <laughs> I brought him to the church and he went like this. I mean, that's revival, Lord. You know? He went, he went, hmm, when the preacher was talking. 
God, you're doing something marvelous in this life. Don't even date. You know, he's so good looking, Lord. Don't even date. Did you see how he held the door for me, Lord? Just because he holds the door today doesn't mean he's going to hold the door in six months. I'm telling you right now. There are a thousand illustrations and examples just like that. You see, and I haven't said this in a while, so I want to, it just came to my spirit. Look, what I've found with the Lord is that typically when we ask the Lord something, if we really are sincere and we ask him, he'll speak, okay? But don't go back second and third time and fourth time and th because after a while you start hearing all kinds of crazy things. Meaning, meaning, uh, um, should I, you know, this is a great business opportunity, Lord. Should I do it? And you feel a spirit in your, the pit of your stomach, you feel a big, gigantic no. And then you talk to the person or, or it's time to take a, you want to take a job. And the spirit of the Lord tells you in your spirit, a big, gigantic no. And then you go back and all of a sudden they say, well, we'll increase the number by 20%. Well, you think God is negotiating about money? Oh, now, now, Lord, now. You know, how many know when no with God, no is no is no. You see, and when God says no, if you keep going back to God and giving him 49 excuses, what he typically says is, whatever you think, whatever you think, you see, it's like, because I already told you what I think. And how many times do we find ourselves in a, what I'll call a jacked up situation because the first impulse of the Holy Spirit, plain and simply, was no. And the Lord whispered into your spirit, no, not good. You see, it's important for us to understand, and this is why, look, look this is not a preach and shout unless run around the building kind of message. This is a you gotta listen. Your Father loves you. Okay, but you got to learn. Christians are supposed to learn how to hear the Lord talk to them. And God speaks this. We have the Spirit of God. And walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We can be led by God. The Holy Spirit can talk to us. And I want to I give you four quick, simple, basic ways that God leads us. Okay, first of all, he leads us through word revelation. I just gave an example of that. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If God can shine his light on a situation, it's good. But if the, light of, the word of God doesn't shine light on a path, then it's not the Lord. So it's like, don't take that path uh, 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 with that unbelieving guy. The, it might be nice now, but in the end, it won't be good. It's like, there, there are all sorts of Bible verses that God tells you, you go to make a decision. Should I go here? Should I go there? And you know, sometimes the Bible says, love not the world or the things of this world. You know, you ever had one of those random verses come into your mind and it seems to, as random as it is, it addresses exactly what you're dealing with. Where did that come from? How many know the devil doesn't lead you with Bible verses? 
You see, I'll try to trick you with them, but he doesn't lead you with them. So there are, you, you, you just learn the word of God, and that's why you read the Bible every day, because it's, you just decide based on what the word says. Number two, then there's a spirit-led impulse. Romans 8.14 says, they that are the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. And I was just talking about that. God is able to lead you. He's able to lead you. He's able to guide you and show you. And you could be in a particular situation, and the Lord could say, Go. You know, go, it's time to step out. You know how many times I was in the natural afraid to do something, or, or afraid is probably too strong of a word, maybe not feeling the personal confidence of doing something, but it was like the Spirit was saying, go, do it. You know, how many know what, when we get the green light from God, that's when it's time to what? It's time to go. And the Spirit can do that, you see? If, in your, if your walk with God doesn't consist of any kind of personal, spiritual interactions, you need to grow in the Lord. You need to spend more time. See, the whole illustration of holding the Lord's hand is vitally important. Because the more you hold his hand, the clearer you hear his voice. But if you only hold his hand for like for an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes here and then you go on and the rest of the week you're now holding the Lord's hand. It's like you, you need to hold his hand wherever you go. And by the way, if you can't hold his hand and, and walk into a place, you probably shouldn't be walking in there, should you? You see? And so, so God can lead you by impulse, but this is a very important one. Then there's kingdom confirmation. The Bible says the Spirit bears witness. And I, gotta, I have a, a really good example for you uh, about this. Kingdom confirmation means that when you feel an impulse and you feel like you have a word revelation, you go to people in your life who are in the kingdom are actually over you. Okay? Your parents pastors, your ministry leader, maybe somebody who's discipling you. You go to the people who know you, who are close to you, and who answer to God for you. All right? If you're under authority, there are people who answer to God for you. One day, I'll have to answer to God for all of you. For how I spoke to you, how I treated you, I'll have to answer to God for that. Did I love you? Did I do this for, for, I remember sitting in the pews and hearing my father-in-law say this as a pastor. And now I'm like in this seat and I'm telling you right now, I live with a certain kind of like a fear that one day I'm going to have to answer to God for everything I say. Every word, how we, all the choices, how we spend the money, all of these things, God will hold me accountable. You see, now there are people who are responsible for you. And if you really want to hear from God, you need to get kingdom confirmation. Everyone say confirmation. confirmation. Some people, they have all of these people in their life. And what they do is they call across the country to their friend who, you know, got saved like three months ago. And then they say, uh, hey, here's my situation. And they steer it and they lay it out, uh, you, you know, as, as to, to, to steer towards what they want. And this just sounds great. That sounds like God. Let's pray. That's not what I'm talking about. In other words, if you can't get the people around you that really love God, uh, uh, respect God, serve God, and are over you in the Lord. If you can't convince them, then even if you feel like an angel talked to you, it, you might need to pause. So here's a classic example of that. So when Chrissy and I first got, first got married, we were like in our second year in the ministry, 
uh, um, we were at a Bible college, and quite frankly, we didn't have credentials. The school was making a move to, to get certain credentials. We didn't meet the criteria. I was so innocent and, and gullible. And, um, and so one of the leaders said, you know what? I've heard from the Lord, and I think that it's time for you and Chrissy to go start a church, the Boston Tabernacle. And I was like, yes, Boston Tabernacle. I love the ring of that. And I had it. I was like, I want to go to do the, I want to start the Boston Tabernacle. So they took us on a trip. We went there, the whole deal. We got back. I was so excited. And then I called my pastor. And when I called Pastor Simbla, I'm telling you, it was not even six minutes in. He's like, Al. I mean, I didn't even get the details out. He's like, Al, that's not God. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you that's not God. He said, actually, what it is is that they need your apartment because you don't have the credentials and all that. And it's like, that's not God. And it was like, the doy. That's not God. Someone with more insight, more discernment, more wisdom, more experience, and with responsibility over me said, you may want to do that, but that's not God. You see, kingdom confirmation. Now on the flip side, when we came here, here's a classic example of this. So when we came here, we were, we, we said to the Lord, Lord, this is such a gigantic, we were on staff at the Brooklyn Tabernacle and um, oh, we felt from God, it's, it's time to go, Chicago, God is leading us to start. That's a whole long story in itself. But when we got close, we were just about to move and um, we, we, well, we took the, the final step of faith was, for us was put the house on the market. So we put the house on the market. It was after 9-11. The market, actually the city was just still. For about 60 days after 9-11, New York, like nothing moved. Just quiet. And so we felt like even the real estate agent said, you know, you put your house on the market during this time. It might take a while. Well, we prayed and said, Lord, if this is really you, our kids are crying and brokenhearted. We believe this is you. Lord, would you, um, would you sell the house fast so that the kids don't see people coming in and out of the house? So we put the market on a Sunday morning and uh, 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 we left. When we got back to church in the evening, sold. One day, we were like, that's confirmation right there. So, so here's what happened. So... Tuesday morning, I go in. We prayed about it for a day. Tuesday morning, I go in to tell Pastor Simbla, and Pastor Simbla says to me, um, Al, New York has like, this 12 million people here. Why don't you pick a place in, in, uh, in New York? There are all of these souls here. Go someplace. We'll send two, 300 people with, you know, with you. Just, you know, go and we could, we could send singers and all this. We could really help you. And he said, and you know what? We'll pay your salary for two years. And then I went, now that's God right there. You know, because I was like, when my wife gave the idea of us start, it was my wife's idea, by the way, <laughs> that, we, that we moved to Chicago and started church. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I was like, you crazy. <laughs> you know, how are we going to make a living, all this kind of stuff? And so anyway, um, I said, well, pastor, 
we're about to sign the contract. We're at the line. And he said, well, go talk to Chrissy. So I'm driving home and I call Chrissy. And um, I said, Chris, look at what your dad offered us. What do you think? She goes, that's not, that's a grandpa. That's not the Lord. She said, I just read this verse and this verse. And the Lord confirmed we're supposed to go. So the next day, we're at LaGuardia Airport with the whole family. We're coming to find a home here. Call Pastor Simla. And I said, Pastor Simla, we signed the contract. We know, it's, we, know we need to go. So he says, Al, where are you going to live? What are you gonna do? How are you going to make a living? Because we had no support at the time. No support whatsoever. A little support came afterwards. But at that moment, we had no support. And we had sold the house. And I said, Pastor, I'll go get a job at um, UPS. She's got an application in to sell clothing at um, one of the malls. We'll do whatever we have to do, and we'll just start. We had no idea. We didn't know people. We had no idea how it was going to start, all that. But we did have some promises from God. Amen. See? And so, so you know what he said? He said, okay. He said, we'll be praying. He said, okay. So he didn't, he didn't stand in the way. He didn't block us. He didn't say, Al, I'm telling you right now, I feel a pause in my heart. If Pastor Miller would have said, I feel like you need to stop and reconsider this, then we'd have put the brakes on. But he didn't. He said, go. And we went. Now, it was one of those things where he was like, well, I don't know that I would do that, but go ahead. You see, God can bear witness. God can bear witness for his people. And then here's the last thing. The last thing is we can have prophetic encounters where we get the word of the Lord, where somebody can speak something that is so unique, so specific, such a divine directive from God. You see, there's a promise that God can give you that says go or stay. God, God is able. People can have a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. God can use someone to speak to you specifically. I was, you know, this is kind of funny to me, but my, my, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Our, our nephew is just young, starting out in the ministry, and he was praying about a decision and praying and praying, saying, God, I want to hear specific. And he was on a bus, and he was, the whole thing was about a move, and, and he got the green light from everyone, but he just wanted that final conversation. Confirmation, and he's on a Greyhound bus traveling in California, wakes up and two guys are in front of him and the guy says to one of them, hey, you need to move to such and such a street on such and such a place and you need to do it right now. And that's exactly the address of where he was going to live. And he's right on the Greyhound bus going, hallelujah, Jesus, you can speak even through strangers. But see, we have to trust him and not get so smart that we use our ideas over God's ideas. Here's the last thing and then we're gonna close. God counsels us to trust him totally. Everyone say totally. So watch this, trust in the Lord with all your heart wholly. Do not depend on your own understanding, no one else but God solely and then lastly, Seek his will in all you do, which means totally in all of the different aspects of your life. God is saying, 
seek him, acknowledge him. If we'll acknowledge him with all of the different aspects of our life, then there will be powerful blessing. And when we started the year, we showed the branches, how God, when he grows, he, sh he grows branches in our lives. That man is like a tree planted by streams of water, right? How many know we're called to be like a tree? Amen. I still got my like a tree bracelet. And when you're like a tree, God grows branches in your life. Do we have that slide? Do we have the branches slide? So everyone's life is kind of like this. Okay, a tree grows, it roots, it grows a trunk. That trunk is your relationship with God, your strength with God. And then God grows branches for your life. Key relationships, family, personal growth, work, finances, ministry, administration. And we're just about to close, so listen closely. Okay, what God is saying is this. If you're going to trust me, you can't say home administration, ministry, finances, skip work, family, personal growth, and then key relationships and work. I'm going to keep that one to myself. How many of people should know that you love Jesus at work? Well, you know, faith is something so personal, not as a Christian. As a Christian, we let our light shine. How many know we're not called to hide the light? We're called to shine the light. Can I get an amen? That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you have to be preaching, you know, 24-7. Work hard. You know, but moments and opportunities show up where people will know that you belong to Jesus. Some people try to compartmentalize. Like Ray Kroc, the founder of, McDon of McDonald's, said. I believe in um, I believe in God, family, and McDonald's hamburgers. And he said, and when I get to work, I reverse the order. Everyone say not. You don't reverse the order. You see, it's totally. It's it's at work. You know, sometimes we'll tell someone. You know what? Our best judgment is that this job that you have, based on all the ungodly stuff that you have to do and that you're involved in, you should get out of that job as soon as possible. You know? Because that doesn't line up with God. You know? How am I going to do it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path. How many know God can open doors that no man can shut today? How many believe that today? Hallelujah. It could be work. Some people, it's finances. A lot of people, they serve God, but when it comes to the finance slides, they just cannot seem to line up their faith with the Bible in regards to what the Bible says about their money. And you guys know how we take offerings here. We say, look, okay, God's not broke, and God doesn't need your money. You know how many times we say that when we take offerings? God's, God doesn't need your money. But if you love God, if you want to honor God, your, your faith life extends into your finances. Okay? Can everybody push out an amen? Yeah. Amen. It's true. Everything. 
He's the Lord of our wallet. He's the Lord of our relationships. He's the Lord of our hobbies. He's the Lord of our home. He's the Lord of everything, of our jobs. He's the Lord of our ministry. He's the Lord of everything. And what, what God is saying is, look, in all your ways, acknowledge me. In all your ways, put me first. And watch that I will blow doors open for you. And how many know God wants to lead you and I into blessing, into faithfulness, faithful places, into satisfaction, into favor? God wants to do all of these things. But he says, you got to trust me. And you might be here today. It's my wife was my wife. Talking to someone yesterday. Talk about in the, in the meat grinder of life. But there's something powerful where even when we're in the meat grinder, we say, even if you slay me, like Job said, I will trust you. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands to him right now. Everyone in the building. You're all. crossroads and God is saying put your trust in me surrender to me be hopeful in me and know that I will direct your path I will open the door we want to stand with you and pray with you if that's you today I want to invite you to the altar maybe you're here and you're in like a meat grinder things are so hard and the pressure to give in to something that you know is not necessarily God's will or God's way and the pressure is mounting but today we want to pray for you we want to pray that God will give you a resolve that says I will stand and I will wait and I will trust in my mighty Lord and King if that's you as we sing come on slip out of your seat we're gonna lay hands on Be your name. 
want you to stretch out your hand towards the front. And I want everyone, come on, just raise your voice right now and pray for strength, pray for, pray for faith, pray for courage.
we're going to be led by you in the days to come. Bless your people. Use them for your glory. And may their hearts be at rest because they trust in you. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Come on, let's put our hands.